The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. And, and I want to speak that prophetically. This is the third um, part of the series that I've been that I've been doing on the year of the open door. And can I just speak prophetically into your life that for some of you doors have been shut. For some of you, it's like you've been banging your head up against the closed door. Can I say to you that maybe that door will remain shut, but there's another door that's going to open for you. And don't camp outside of a shut door. Start to look for the door that God's going to open because this is the year of the open door. And too many people are camped outside shut doors. And all you end up doing is just getting discouraged. Begin to see which door God's opening because he's opening a door of opportunity, a door of blessing for you. Get ready for it. There's new opportunities. There's new blessings. There's new breakthroughs that are coming your way. It's the year of the open door. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's a word for you. That's a word for you. Okay. Isaiah 61 verse 1, we're going to do part three of the year of the open door, and this is what it says in Isaiah 61 verse 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Now Jesus actually opened the book of Isaiah to this verse when he spoke in the synagogue of Capernaum. You can read the story in Luke chapter 4. And he opened the scroll and he read from this verse. And he became the fulfillment of this verse. So when Jesus spoke it, if you can see it, it's just an amazing thing. Anne and I actually went to the synagogue of Capernaum. And we stood on the floor where Jesus stood. And it was such a moving experience in Israel uh, to, be, to be standing in that synagogue where Jesus stood 2,000 years earlier and read from this scroll, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings, to preach good news, to give you a good news story. How many of you love good news stories? You don't get that from the media. You only get bad news stories from the media. But the Bible is full of good news. And this morning, I've got good news to share with you. Here it is. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Here it is. God has opened your prison door. Your prison door is no longer locked. It's been opened. And the message that is the good news is there's liberty to those that were once in captivity because you were locked in a prison. This morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about what that means. I want to talk to you a little bit about how so many people live in their own prison. Now, it might not be a physical prison with bars, but it is an emotional prison, a spiritual prison, a prison that people live in in their own captivity. And, and, and the prison that so many people live in is the prison of limitation, where you feel limited, or the prison of confinement, where you feel confined. Or the prison of restrictions, 
where you feel restrained, or the prison of bondage where you feel bound, or the prison of oppression where you feel oppressed, or the prison of condemnation where you feel condemned, or the prison of fear where you go through life afraid. And there are so many people that I talk to, so many people that I see that are locked in a prison. I've got good news for you. Jesus has come with good news. And that is, there is liberty to the captives. The prison doors have been flung open. This is the year of the open door. You don't have to live in your prison any longer. Those doors have been flung open in the name of Jesus. And I love the fact that this morning we have young people that stood on this stage. They overcame the prison of intimidation. How many of you know it's pretty intimidating to stand in front of a crowd? They overcame it. They stepped out and they said something that touched your heart. It touched my heart. Anne and I were sitting there listening, so proud, so proud of them. And I thought, wow, that speaks to me so powerfully. That is such a powerful word. You know, especially those words of, I just love worship. Man, it was just awesome. I love that, to hear our young people saying that. I love hearing our young people being able to discern between the pressures of this world that wants, that wants to, to make them feel always inadequate. How many of you know that there's constant messages from this world that wants to make you feel inadequate, let alone our young people? There's, there's, there's a constant message out there that says, this is what you've got to be to be accepted. Well, who lives to that standard? You know, we're either too tall or too short. How many of you fall into the too tall category? How many of you feel, fall into the too short category? You know, it's like, what is that perfect height? Then, then you're either too fat or too skinny. You know, it's like, how many of you, you know, we won't even go there. We're just not going to go there. There's got to be, and so what the world does is, is they say, there's this perfect height. There's this perfect weight. Then there's this perfect age. You're either too old or too young. How, how amazing is that? You know, I, I used to always feel that I was too young. I, I became a pastor at 21 years of age, and of course, you feel too young. But you know, I'd open the Bible, and, and Paul would say to Timothy, don't let anyone intimidate you because of your age. And so I thought, okay, but it'd be great to be 30. I was probably the only person on the planet that actually looked forward to turning 30. It'd be great to turn 40. Now I've got 60 coming up and I'm thinking it's great to be 60. In two years time, I'm going to be 60. I'm, I'm probably one of the only people on the planet that is, that is not afraid of turning 60. I'm looking forward to it actually. You say, you're a crazy man. It's important for us to feel adequate with exactly the way we are rather than inadequate. And there's always messages that want to make you feel inadequate. There's always messages out there. And this is what Jesus is saying, is saying that your inadequacy actually puts you in a prison. And Jesus came to open the doors so that you might be released from that. One of the scriptures that's so powerful when we come into Acts chapter 12 is Peter, the apostle Peter, 
actually was put into a physical prison in Jerusalem by Herod. He's in this physical prison, and, and, and Herod wanted to kill him. Herod wanted to, to, uh, to martyr him. But while the church was praying, what happened was that an angel came and uh, broke the shackles of Peter's chains. And, and somehow, miraculously, he kept the guards asleep so that Peter could be released from the prison. And the Bible says that the prison doors opened. And Peter actually walked out of the prison doors. And then something else happened. The iron gates of the city opened up. Those those barriers to the city opened up. And Peter was actually able, able to walk through the opened iron gates into the city to move into his destiny. He was never again put into that jail, but he was able to walk through the open gates of the city to fulfill his destiny, become a great apostle, write at least three books of the New Testament that we still are being blessed by today. I love love this story where God not only opens the prison doors, but opens the city gates. Not only does he want to release you from your bondage, but then invite you to come into your destiny, to come into the great things that God has got for you. See, God will not only release you from your bondage, but then encourage you to walk into your destiny, into your future. Can I just say to you that God prophetically is going to open up the city gates for us as a church, for our missionaries, for people all over the world that are connected to us. There's a prophetic word. God's going to open up the gates of iron, the city gates. We'll come into new areas of influence, new areas of authority, new areas of being able to speak into the life of of people and political power. God is going to cause this church to have a voice in high places where God will put a word of wisdom, a word of discernment, not because we are going to be manipulative people, but because people need to hear direct of the Holy Spirit. People need to hear direction of God. People need to cut through all the junk and all the manipulation to find out which is the right way. And God is going to give us and give you a word. This is the way. Walk you in it. Do not turn to the left. Do not turn to the right because God is making a way where there is no way. And that is the word of the Lord for some of you that are sitting here today. Can anybody say amen to that? Wow, first service didn't get that. Only you guys got that. But can I just take this another step forward? Let me talk to you about places where you may be in prison. Let's talk about your spirit. Let's talk about your soul. Let's talk about your body. Because some people are in prison in their spirit. And spiritually, you want to be free to fly like a bird. I just love the freedom of just being able to fly. I just love the freedom of just not being afraid. You know, dance like nobody's watching. Sing like nobody's listening. You know, just that freedom. So many people are intimidated. What will people think? What will people say? That will always hold you back. You know, I can remember as a kid in church, just being so intimidated of lifting my hands up. Just the intimidation of just lifting your hands up in worship. 
Because in the back of my mind, this is what I was thinking. I was thinking, if, if I did that, then the music would actually turn down, the spotlights would actually turn up, and it would come on me, and everybody would be looking at me. And that was intimidating. Can I just say to you, that's not what happens at all. When you lift up your hands, especially in a church like ours, nobody's looking. Nobody, nobody really cares. It's like they're too busy worshipping God themselves to worry about you. But the enemy just wants to put you in a prison of intimidation. I can remember the first time that I ever prayed publicly. It was just one of the most intimidating things to do. Why? Because, I mean, you got people that when they open their mouths, it sounds like poetry. How many of you know people like that? And then when I opened up my mouth, it was stammer and stutter. It was just, bah, bah, bah. Yeah, it sounded like speaking in tongues, but it wasn't. It was speaking English, and it was like, you know, just, and the intimidation of that. And so often what happens is that you get locked in your prison through intimidation spiritually. Can I just say the biggest battlefield is the battlefield of your mind? You just got to overcome the battlefield of your mind. And so often what happens is that we become physically uh, imprisoned by our physical limitations. I said last week, one of my heroes is, is Mark Tonga. He's here again this morning. Mark, you are certainly one of my heroes because you've broken through the prison of your body. Mark is a quadriplegic. It doesn't take a, you know, a Rhodes Scholar to work that out. So he's got, he's got a wheelchair that he operates with his mouth. Because from you know the neck down, he is, his body doesn't function. But you know what? His mind functions. But you've got other people where their bodies function, but their mind's in prison. Mark's out there making a difference in the world because he's decided that his body's not going to be his prison. He's got a functioning mind. He's got a sharp mind. He's out there constantly meeting. I think you met with the the, 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 the Governor General the, of, of New South Wales, the Governor of New South Wales, this past week or, or not. Is that right, Mark? I think I saw a picture on your Facebook page where, where with David Hurley, he's there, and David Hurley's taking a photo with Mark. Wow, this is Mark, everybody, on my Facebook page. You know, the Governor's taking photos with Mark. The, the Mayor's taking photos with Mark. They think it's a privilege to be with Mark. Why is that? Because it's just such a powerful thing when you escape your prison. It's such a powerful thing because too many people are intimidated by their own inadequacies. And here's Mark saying, you know what? My inadequacy is actually an open door to me being able to speak. Can I just say to you, maybe if Mark wasn't in a wheelchair, he wouldn't have the opportunities that he has now. God has used his wheelchair to give him a voice. You say, well, what's going on there? I don't know what's going on there. Man, I've, been, I, I've prayed for Mark for him to be healed. God hasn't healed him. And so in the meantime, what do you do? Do you just sit there and complain? Or do you say, God, you can do whatever you want to do. But in the meantime, I'm not going to live in a prison. Because the good news is that God's unlocked the door and he's proclaimed, come out of the prison. You've been set free. The chains have been broken. Don't be limited by your limitations. Can I, can I just say some of the other prisons that, that people live in is, the, is, is relationships and family and marriage and all these kind of things can, can, can make you feel like you're in a prison. You know what? You have to break out of that. 
You have to break out of that. Can I just say nobody's got a perfect family? Can anybody say amen to that? You think my family's perfect? My family's not perfect, but we do the best that we do despite our limitations. You know, uh, can, can I just say to you that, 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 that uh, when, when Anne and I first got married, some of the dreams that we dreamed have not come to pass. And so do we sit there and complain about it? No, we don't. We say, you know what? This is our lot, but we're going to make the best out of our lot. And too many people sit there and all they do is that they just want to change the past. You can't change the past. All you can do is accept it and ask God to help you navigate into the future. And so what we do is that we pray, God, give us direction. God, give us insight. God, give us wisdom that we might operate in love with what we have. Because it's a big thing when you're making decisions for your kids. That's easy. Can I just say, you think it's hard? Let me tell you something. It's easy when you're making decisions for your kids. Let me tell you when it becomes hard. When you have to watch them make their own decisions. That's when it's hard because you, everything inside of you says, I still want to control, but you can't. They're adults. You can't control their lives. What you can do is keep loving them and keep being in a place where you still have a voice to speak into their lives. Because if you stop loving them and you stop ministering to them, they actually cut off your voice from speaking into their lives and then it doesn't get better. It gets worse. Come on. Can anybody say amen to that? So, so you can create marriage and family and relationship as a prison, or you can say, I'm walking out of this and I'm going to keep loving. And can I tell you the best thing you can do is not wait for the other person to make a step. You make a step. Can I just say to you that if you're unhappy in your marriage, stop manifesting unhappiness and start changing your attitude to the person. You know, can I just say to you that every time you say a positive word, it's going to melt something. Every time you say something positive, you, you're going to melt something. You know, you can either, too many people go through life reacting rather than responding. You know, if, if you say to people, you're an idiot, they're going to manifest. They're going to, they're going to react. But if you say to somebody, you know what, I really like you. You're an awesome person. You're fantastic. You know, I, I tell my wife all the time, she's beautiful. You say, oh, well, that's easy because she is. <laughs> I'm just really careful how I'm going to navigate this next thing, okay? I'm just, just watching my words very carefully here. But you know what? By speaking beauty into your scenario, you create it. You create, now you say, but, but, but for you it's easy. But I'm creating, I'm contributing to it by saying it. You know, uh, you know, it's so easy to say the wrong things and you create tension and stress by just saying that. You know? But when tension and stress starts to creep in, I can either add another layer to it or I can actually pull the fire out of it by saying something positive. And that's something that we've got to understand, that we can actually contribute to creating peace in our families by speaking words of peace, by speaking words that lift people up. 
And you can see, you can see the diffusion of tension when you start to say positive things. When you start to say things, you know what, I, I hear what you're saying, but I still love you. I hear what you're saying, but I'm still committed to you. I hear what you're saying, and I promise never to leave you. I promise never to leave you. You know, one of the first words that I actually crossed out of my dictionary, when, when uh, you know, my dictionary is getting thinner and thinner. I just go and I just scrub words out. So, so the other week, I scrubbed out the word impossible. I just went to my dictionary and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to rub this word. I'm going to remove it out of my vocabulary because God says all things are possible to those who believe. So I just went and I scrubbed the word impossible. How many of you think that's a good word to scrub out of your dictionary? Now, stress and those words got scrubbed out a long time ago, fear. But the first word that I ever scrubbed out of my dictionary was the word divorce. Just went, scrubbed it out. It doesn't exist. You say, say, it doesn't exist. No, we, we never made that an option. For us, that was never an option. Yet, if we have difficulty, we work through it. We speak words of encouragement because we can easily create a prison in our relationship by speaking the wrong words. So we just got to be careful how we navigate this. Oh my goodness, I've got so much to share with you and my time is running out. I feel like a dad today just sharing words to build you up. Can, you know, the thing is this, that I'm able to say this because Jesus gave us the authority to say it. Jesus gave us the authority to declare the good news that you are no longer in the prison. But too many people are still hunched in their prison without realizing the door's been opened. Jesus has actually unlocked the door of your prison. He's actually beat up the, the prison keeper, he's beat up the devil. How many of you love that? He stomped on his head. That devil, he hates Jesus because Jesus bashed him. Jesus gave him a good flogging, but he doesn't want you to know it. And so the prison keeper, the devil, he's been bashed by Jesus. Jesus has opened the prison door, but he's lying to you saying, you're still trapped here and I'm still your boss. And Jesus is shouting from the corner, good news, devil's been defeated. The prison doors have been opened. Come out from your prison into the liberty that I've got for you. Come on, can anybody say, that's good news? Because that's exactly what it is. So how do you live in this freedom? Let me, let me talk to you quickly how to live. You, you've got all the notes there. I haven't got time to go through it. But there's three things that you need to do to live in this freedom. Three things. Number one, speak positive words. You've got to speak positive words. You know, the words out of your mouth are life and death. You can either kill somebody with the words that you say, or you can bring life to them by the words that you say. In every situation, when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school this week, you can either build friends by the words that you say, or repel people by the words that you say. Make sure that what you say is a positive word. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Let nothing corrupt, let nothing negative come out of your mouth. Now, can I just say the second thing? There's that your positive words need to be connected to your positive thinking. You've got to be thinking positive thoughts. You can't expect positive words to come out of your mouth if you're thinking negative thoughts. If you're thinking words of, I'm angry, I'm, I'm, I'm just frustrated, and you're gritting your teeth, and then, and then you've got to say a positive word, it'll come out through gritted teeth. I forgive you. How many of you know that 90% of communication is not verbal, it's non-verbal. And so people are not just 
hearing your words, they're hearing everything, your eyes, your, 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 your body language, everything is connected. And so your thoughts and your words have to be connected. The biggest battlefield that we have is in the mind. And that's why Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 8, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, then meditate on these things. There's a whole list of things on which to think. Come on. Can, how many of you know that sometimes you just got to do battle in your mind? The enemy comes along. I think Corwin said it so beautifully this morning. You know, just this whole thing with forgiveness. There are, there are seasons where it's easy to think on noble things, and then there are seasons where it's hard. And, and this is what Paul says, you have to overcome. You've got to get into a place where your thinking is positive thinking. So then your words become positive words. And then number three, your actions, your decisions become positive decisions. Can, can I just tell you right now something that for some of you will be an ouch moment? Are you ready for an ouch moment? Your life right now is a combination of every decision that you've ever made. So if, if, if you put every decision that you've ever made together, what you've got is your life. You live and die by the decisions that you make. And I know that for some of you that's a tough word because we kind of think circumstances. But everybody has bad circumstances. Why do some people have a good life, and they've still had bad circumstances because of the decisions that they've made. You know, circumstances, bad things happen to everybody. Good things happen to everybody. But some people, they continue making bad decisions based on bad circumstances, and then they make bad decisions, and then the whole thing sort of just mounts up, mounts up, and then you, you, you have a horrid life, and, and then you think the only way out is to kill yourself. Can I just say that's exactly where the enemy wants you? to think the only way out is to kill yourself. But Jesus has good news for you. He can set you free from every negative effect. Matter of fact, the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he can give you a new start. He can give you a new beginning. It's 2017. It's a year of open doors. It's a year of new beginnings. Come on, can you take all of your past bad decisions to Jesus and say, Jesus, I've made some pretty bad ones, but would you help me make some good ones? And, he, and you know what Jesus says? Well, can I give you a clue on how to start making good decisions? Get hold of this book. It's called the Bible. It's a guidebook to good decisions. Right here, the guidebook to good decisions. Turn to the person next to you and say, the Bible is the guidebook to good decisions. And if you, if you can live life through this filter, not your emotions. Come on. Too many people make decisions based through the filter of their emotions. And, the, and, and if they're feeling angry, they'll make angry decisions. If they're feeling lovey, they'll make lovey decisions. If they're feeling sad, they'll make decisions based on their sadness. Everybody hates me. I'll go and eat some more lemons. And... <laughs> sad, sad sack. All the decisions, nobody likes me, everybody hates me. How many of you parents have had kids come home from school and say that? Come on, give me a wave. And so then what you do is say, they're right, 
Everybody does hate you, including me. Is that, is that what you say to your kids? Huh? Nah. You say, come on, you can't make decisions in life based on feeling sad. That's an emotion. Emotions are up and down, up and down, up and down. This is not up and down. This is consistent. This is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will last forever. You've got to have a standard on which to make decisions. And can I advise you? There's no greater standard than the word of God. This was from the beginning. It'll be at the end. It's our standard. You know what's sad is that the enemy wants to destroy the power of this book in people's lives. But I, as a preacher of the gospel, am here to elevate the standard of God's word. You put God's word as the standard of your life, and you will make good decisions, and you will not regret those decisions. Because once you have positive words, positive thoughts, positive decisions, everything changes in your world and in your life. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.